Okay. This message today is about putting your best foot forward. Amen? Putting your best foot forward. Now, the expression best foot forward goes back about 500 years, you know, give or take a couple here and there. And it even implies having more than two feet. Putting your best foot forward sometimes makes it sound like you have three or four feet. (laughs) But the phrase has stuck around to mean that a person should embark on a journey or task with purpose and gusto. It also means to make sure to appear to be at your very best and to try to make a very good impression. You know, when you go out, you should always want to make a good impression. Amen? When you step out of the house, oh, here we go. When you step out of the house, you shouldn't want to just settle for wearing your pajamas or, you know, wearing your slippers when you're going out in public and you're, or wearing a, a, a cap that you wear on your head, you know, for taking care of your, you know, one of those caps, that type of thing. You want, to look, you want to look at your best. Amen? Amen. Now, the result of this effort is for someone or even a group of people to have a good opinion of you. I mean, that's what we would all want. Amen? A good opinion. In this day and age, how important is that? Very important. In order to be recognized, you have to stand out amongst a group of people. You've got to stand out. You have to be memorable, but not just memorable, memorable in a good way. The opposite of this is to be easily dismissed and forgotten. For example, I have performed a few job interviews over the years. Some interviews were fantastic, while others were boring Others were just sad and pitiful. Some were outright hilarious, and at the same time, they were ridiculous. Here's a hint. Only the fantastic ones resulted in hires. Some people on interviews seem to go out of their way to botch it up. This is me talking to La Policia. This girl, totally sweating me. And uh, I don't even remember taking this one. You realize this is a job interview. I know. I wanted to show you how proficient I am in social media. We'll be in touch. Excuse me. Hello. Hi, I'm just following up on the interview. Impatient. Dim and impatient. Hunger keeps inventing new problems. So we invented new Snickers CRISPR. So a lesson for that is make sure you eat something before you go on an interview at least. And just don't be dim patient about it. And, you know, you look at something like that. Some of the interviews that I were in were pretty much just like that. When you are interviewing for a job, you always want to leave a good impression. Even if you don't think you have a shot at getting the job you still always want to leave a good impression. Consider this. What if the person they hire doesn't work out? 
Who do you think they're going to call? Someone leaving a good impression. They won't be calling dim patient. It should be second nature for the believer in Jesus Christ to leave a good impression wherever he or she may go. Amen? While the person interviewing for a job makes a conscious effort to look good before the interviewer, a believer should be living in this way as if it were natural or second nature. In other words, this is something that you should be doing every day and someone shouldn't have to tell you to do that. This should be a normal process, a normal way of living. It should be natural. It should be done with an unconscious effort. Why is that? It is because of all the real effort that comes from living, not so much from you, but from the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit is what gives you the ability to live in almost an unconscious effort, living for Christ, and everyone can see the best come out of you. That's what you should always want. And that's in light of everything that's going on today. People should still see the love of Christ in you through the Holy Spirit. Take a look for me at Galatians 5.25. I'm just going to have you turn that real quick just to get your Bibles open and start looking at some scripture. But I want you to look at what it says here. I'm going to read to you the version from the New Living Translation. Your version is going to say something a little bit different, but the essence of what's being said here is what I want you to get take away from this. Galatians 5.25. From the New Living Translation of Galatians 5.25, it says, Since we are living by the Spirit, and that's what we should be doing, amen? Living by the Spirit... Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Is there anything excluded from every part of our lives? Nothing whatsoever. The Spirit is supposed to lead you in every aspect of your life. Not just during the day when you're about around a bunch of people. It also means when you're not around a bunch of people. It's allowing the Lord to work in every aspect of your life. Because, you know, there's a life that's public and there's a life that's private. There's a life that's open and there's a life that's secret. But the Spirit should be involved in all of that. The danger that we have is that the Spirit's in the open places and the public places, but in the private places we might have some problems. Where the Spirit is not leading where your flesh is leading, and that takes you away. And what happens now is because you have that type of life, you are living an inconsistent, not God-fearing life. That's the challenge that we have here. Of course, living by the Spirit is often easier said than done. Amen? If we're being completely honest, it's easier said than done. We know we should do it, but sometimes we have to challenge ourselves 
in other situations or situations that are greater than others to live just that way because of sin. Amen? Amen. Oh, that, y'all got kind of quiet on that there. Yeah. Because if you are being honest with yourself, you understand that the flesh also has a good amount of power. The more you allow the flesh to take over, the spirit will be put to the side. It's easier said than done, but you can't do it unless the very act of living by the Spirit can't be performed without a faith relationship in Jesus Christ. Amen? It starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. The Spirit will not be a part of your life unless you understand who Jesus Christ is. He's the one that gives you the Holy Spirit to live within you. Go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, we're going to take a quick look at verses 9 through 13. And feel free to make note of these verses. Um, One thing that we do do is that we do post these sermons or summaries of the sermons later on for you to go back and refer to those verses. But you're welcome to jot them down and keep them in front of you too. Because these are also very important verses to look at just from the standpoint of how you should be living. God is speaking to you through his word. Don't ignore what his word has to say to you. It is his direct way of communicating with all of us. And you as an individual. Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. Now I'm going to be flipping versions here, and I'm going to be reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible Version. Please follow along in yours. Starting with verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Amen. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. It doesn't get much more cleaner or more beautiful than that. Know that all that God requires of you, all that he requires is for a person is to call on his name. Call on the name of Jesus. You don't have to do anything special. Amen? It's nothing special. You don't need to get ready, to get ready, to get ready. Amen? Y'all know what I mean when I say get ready, to get ready, to get ready? Well, I want to live a certain way and then I'm going to go ahead and declare the Lord when I'm ready to do it. You will never be ready if you take that approach. Do you realize you'll never be ready? Because if you have to keep saying, i got to get ready to get ready to get ready, you ain't going to get ready. You're going to still live according to the flesh. You won't think you need the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're talking about, well, I'm going to get, when I get older, well, what if you don't get older? When I'm done partying, you might die that night. 
There's no such thing as getting ready to get ready to get ready. And I prayed before this message that people who don't know the Lord understand that He loves you and wants you to have a relationship with Him. And that's what this is about. There's nothing to get ready for. All He wants you to do is call on His name. He doesn't want you to have everything figured out. All He wants you to do is call on Him Just believe that he's the one that died on the cross for you. Personalize it. He died on the cross for you. It is an act of faith. You don't have to figure everything out first. You don't need to do that. That's why we have theology. That's why we have studies. That's why we have classes. That's why we have Sunday school. You don't have to figure it all out for yourself. At that moment, just call on his name. Start there. Once you believe in him, the Holy Spirit is going to dwell within your presence and help you to begin to figure everything else out about this living in the spirit stuff. He'll help you to understand what you need to know. He just wants you to start by calling on his name and believing in him. Every person in this room who is a believer in Jesus Christ started just like that. Didn't have it all figured out. Probably didn't know anything. All they knew was that they needed Jesus Christ. Amen? Believing in Jesus Christ, by the way, is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Once you commit to him, he fully commits to you, and he commits to you not just for a day or two, but for all eternity. All eternity. You're taken care of for all eternity. That's a long time. Amen? Now, there are going to be some that who are going to remain indifferent or obstinate about Jesus. I get that even to the point where it's easier just to blot them out of our discussions or our schools or our public events or our courthouses. It's easier just to blot them out. Try to remove his name from our presence. The end result, and it's a trick of Satan, by the way, is that what you can't see won't convict you of your sin and your lifestyle. If you can't see the name of Jesus, then he can't possibly convict you of the life that you're living. Well, that's a great trick, isn't it? What many people don't realize is that they're already condemned because of sin. You can't hide God in a closet. Your condemnation remains in place. You cannot fellowship with God In your sin, there is nothing that can cleanse you from your sin except to believe in Jesus Christ and as a result, live by the Spirit. That's the only way. Go to Galatians chapter 5 real quick. Galatians 5.16 
Galatians 5.16. Again, reading from the New Living Translation. Follow along in your version. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Spirit guide your lives. That way you won't let your sinful nature take over. Because you're going to crave what the flesh wants to do. Unfortunately, this is a lifelong problem for every one of us. Amen? Everybody listening? Everybody wide awake say amen? Amen. This is something that we're going to be doing and dealing with for the rest of our lives. So you have to let the Spirit guide your life. So what is about what it is about this cleansing that I referred to earlier by Jesus Christ, this cleansing? There's a reason why John, in the first verse of his gospel, refers to Jesus Christ as the living word. Amen. Jesus Christ is the living word. The very act of hearing his word and responding to it is a cleansing. The very act of hearing his word and responding to it is a cleansing. Understand something. Even when someone is speaking to you about Jesus Christ and you respond to his word, that word washes over you. It's a cleansing. Because you're responsive to it. So in order to live by the Spirit, it requires three very important things that will lead to success in this endeavor. How many of you like to wash clothes? Nobody likes to wash clothes? What's the matter with you? So y'all coming to church in dirty clothes all the time or what? Well, I mean, you don't necessarily have to like, maybe I should rephrase that. Maybe you don't have to like washing clothes, but there's something about clean clothes. Amen? I mean, you would prefer to have clean clothes around you. People's noses start getting turned up when you start smelling something. What happened over here? Man didn't wash his clothes. His drawers is dirty. I can smell something. Not a good thing, amen? That's something we can all agree to. Well, we're going to use that washing clothes analogy for the three very important things to look at today. Wash, rinse, and repeat. Amen? Wash, rinse, and repeat. Where am I going with this? Well, I'll tell you. First, the washing. The washing, first of all, wash is an act of obedience. Let's start with that. Rinsing, using clean water, the living water that refreshes and cleanses, and repeating, that's practicing. But let's start with washing. Once you declare Christ as Lord of your life, there is an acknowledgement that old things have passed away in your old life. Amen? The old life should be gone. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you can find that. And that you're committing to a new life in Jesus Christ. What you're now going to learn, though, is that obedience is a key element to this new life. If you have a new life in Christ, you're going to live differently than the way you used to live. And when you're living differently than the way you used to live, guess what that means? Obedience to the Word. 
I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You cannot love the Lord, Jesus Christ, if you are disobedient. The only way you can love the Lord is obedience to his word. Everything else is just lip service. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I go out here and party over here and act a fool over here. Well, then, you're just talking out the side of your neck now. Amen? You have to be obedient. Remember we said living in the Spirit through all aspects of your life. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. Now, we've got a few verses to cover here, but I want you to see this episode of Scripture. I like to call it an episode because it's a little short story. It's a little short story about a character, uh, Naaman. We're going to be reading about Naaman and his encounter with the Lord because we need to see how someone who is, for all intents and purposes, a very good individual, the Lord has even worked through him to win a battle and do some things, and he is also regarded very highly uh, by the king of Aram. But we need to see his personal encounter with the Lord and where his heart is. And I want you to observe this because you need to understand something. Every one of us is deceived by our own heart. Believer or non-believer, you still have the flesh that will deceive you thinking, I am all that. I am big and bad. I have to remind myself, I ain't all that. I'm just starting to learn things about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll personalize it for myself. I'll take the bullet for you. I'm still learning about who he is. And when you read about Naaman, you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. Now, I'm going to just start reading. Follow along, please. Now, Naaman was commander of this, starting at verse 1. Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. See that? The Lord used him. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive of a girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Verse 7. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. Verse 8. And notice how the Lord is working through the hearts of these other individuals as well, too. Remember the servant spoke to Naaman's wife, got the word to Naaman, and Naaman is responding. That's a good start. Sometimes information that comes from the most unlikely places are a place that we should start. Amen? See the lessons in all this? You could, preach a, you could preach a whole sermon on this section. 
Okay, so let's get back. Verse 8, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Verse 9, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped by the, at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, now notice what Elisha did. He did not come out. He sent someone to tell this man what to do. Which could be taken as an affront. I came to your house, you sent somebody else out to see me. Pay attention. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Here goes Naaman, verse 11. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God. Notice how he says the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Well, that's what you thought. That's what you think should happen. Verse 12. Are not Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Now he's got an attitude problem. Where I came from, the water was better than where I'm at right now. Now you're asking me to go dip myself in the Jordan? I want you to get the picture of this man's attitude. Remember, he's the one that's trying to get rid of his leprosy. Amen? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. He had his little hissy party and now he's in a rage. Verse 13. It's wonderful when you have people around you who have it together. Even when you don't have it together. Naaman's servants have it together. When Naaman was having his little pity party and hissy fit, here come Naaman's servants. Verse 13. Naaman's servants went and hit to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you have not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down, he took the advice of the servant. Didn't have to. Took the advice of the servant. Went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman... And all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. He had to see God work in his life. But note that in order for God to work in your life, you have to acknowledge that he is Lord by obedience to his word. And his voice through the Spirit. It starts with obedience. It starts with trusting that the advice that you're getting is the right advice. The correct advice. You have to be obedient to his word. It starts there. The very act of declaring the Lord as your personal Savior is actually an act of obedience. 
It's obedience. And the longer that you don't do that means you make a choice to live in disobedience. And so now what it comes down to is that the Lord knows every human being, every person, every heart. And it comes down to grace and mercy as to how long you will be here. In other words, I wouldn't advise you waiting until you're on your deathbed to declare Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Understand something. You may not be able to say it. You may not be able to think it. What a wasted life. Obedience is where it starts. Sometimes you have to be obedient even when it doesn't make sense to do so. But sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it's not logical. Logic is something that human beings put together. Like playing the odds. Logic. Well, God doesn't play the odds. Jesus Christ is not an odds maker. He goes beyond that. Sometimes it's not going to make sense, but yet you should do it. That's what Naaman had to experience. He will wash you and you will be cleansed. This washing speaks to the power of God's word and his presence in your life. This should lead the believer to continually seek the Lord, seek his word for guidance. The washing of water has cleansing power. Take a quick look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119. The washing of water has cleansing power. We're going to look at verses 9 and 10. Don't you understand that every interaction that you have with the Lord Jesus Christ is a cleansing action? Certainly, when you're repenting from sin, he cleanses you. He forgives you of your sin. You're cleansed. When you're seeking the word and reading about his word, it's a cleansing process. Psalm 119, verses 9 and 10. I'm going to read the King James Version. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Notice how it says cleanse his way. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. The word is at the forefront of your life. The word has cleansing power. Now, if you want to close your Bible up and put it somewhere on the shelf over here and never open it, then there's no cleansing power. Don't be the family that has a Bible sitting on a side table somewhere with dust and cobwebs covering it. Amen? Everybody in this room knows exactly what I'm talking about. Next, the rinsing. The rinsing is about the purification of the believer. Purification of the believer. There is an eternal promise that God makes to the nation of Israel 
but it also has application to the believer who has sinned, but repents and goes to Christ for reconciliation. Go to Ezekiel 36. We're jumping all over the place, aren't we? Ezekiel 36, verses 24 and 25. I want you to see how the promise that was made by God to Israel has application for us today. Ezekiel 36, verses 24 and 25. And I'm loving that a lot of you have these electronic versions of the Bible, so you really don't have an excuse about putting a Bible on the side of the table somewhere. You take that baby wherever you go with it. Amen? Amen. Ezekiel 36, verses 24 and 25. I'm reading the King James Version. For I will take, from, take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you. Look at that, clean water. And ye shall be clean from all your filthiness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. When you're in sin, don't you feel filthy? Now, if you're in sin and you don't feel filthy, boy, oh boy, you got some trouble. Because that means you're accustomed to a lifestyle of sin. But if you're not accustomed to sinning, you should feel dirty. Why do you think they talk about, I feel dirty? When you... When you're exposed to stuff like that, I feel dirty too. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. Don't worry about that. You should feel dirty. You should feel like you need to repent and be cleansed by the Lord, by his very presence. Amen? Well, that's about a third of you. I'm work, I'll work on the other two-thirds. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10.20. Hebrews 10.22. Hebrews 10.22. So we saw an Old Testament verse, and now we're going to look at a New Testament verse that will talk about this very thing. Once again, old school is good sometimes. King James Version. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Notice something. Unless God forgives you, you have evil within you. He has to remove that from you. You can't remove it from yourself. It has to be God working in your life to remove this evil from your life. That's why we have to have that desire to repent and turn away from sin. When we become so hardened and we don't think we need to repent, we are in serious, serious trouble. And I mean that with all sincerity. Serious trouble. The non-believer, the unbeliever, is in serious trouble. Because it's not the natural inclination to call on the Lord for forgiveness. You can't save yourself. Only God can save you. So it's good that you do feel dirty. 
It's good that you are filthy. It's good that you know that you need a cleansing. Just like when you start smelling funk on your body in all the wrong places, you know you need to take a shower or a bath. Amen? Amen. You know what you got to do. Same principle. You know you got to do it. You know you need to repent from your sin. Amen? I just want to see if y'all are paying attention. Living in the Spirit gives the believer a sprinkling, which, here's a word that you should always remember, sanctifies the believer. Over time, as the relationship with Jesus Christ grows and develops, you should have a growing relationship in the Lord. Amen? Should you be standing still? Absolutely not. There should be a gradual progression over time. And that progression over time, as you have a relationship with the Lord, it sanctifies you. It cleanses you. A believer over time learns how to sin less. Amen? Sin less and live more for Christ each and every day. Amen? That should be your progression over time. You're learning to sin less. You're learning how to not slip into something else. And go and follow where the Lord would have you to go. Sanctification sets the believer apart for service and a willingness to serve Jesus Christ. You're being set apart. Remember about saying making a difference, being distinctive? The Holy Spirit generates such activity in the believer. There is growth and progression day after day, month after month, and year after year. There should be progression. There should be growth. There should be distinction as you get more and more involved in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who enables it. All who see the believer should see the difference. Like we said earlier, you should be recognizable. Be able to stand out amongst a group of people. As the message of the gospel of Christ is distinctive, a believer should be distinctive. In other words, it gets to the point where if you're working with a group of people, about 20 people, and you have professed the Lord, you've got stuff around you that shows you read the Bible and stuff like that, everybody in that room should know who you are. They should know you're a believer. We won't get into it if they don't know. Something's wrong. 1 Corinthians 6, 11b in the NIV version says, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Finally, after the wash and the rinse by Jesus Christ through the Spirit, there is repeat. Repeat. To repeat means that it needs to be practiced over and over again. You practice this over and over again. Remember, Christ is doing the washing and the rinsing. You've got to do the repeating. You are the one that has to do the repeating. You've got to practice this over and over again. Christ cleanses you already on a daily basis. Amen? Do you realize that? He is cleansing you on a daily basis. The very fact that you're alive is a starting point. Amen? 
that you're living for him for a reason and a purpose. Amen? The Holy Spirit is welling from within you. You are being cleansed on a daily basis. It's up to you to not get yourself filthy. That's up to you. You have to take care of that. Reading God's word and remaining obedient to him requires a consistent effort and a daily practice as he sanctifies the believer. Daily practice. Go to Romans chapter 12 and let's take a look at verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. When you get up every morning, do you say, thank the Lord for waking me up this morning? You do? Does everybody do that? Be careful now because you don't want to tell a falsehood in the midst of everybody else here. I haven't done it. I should do it. You should thank the Lord every day that you have. Every day that he gives you is a gift from God. And that's the approach that you should have. He has given you something that you can't get on your own. The Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers, I'm reading from the Holman Christian Version. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God... I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, the pleasing, and perfect will of God. Living in the Spirit requires a daily acknowledgement of the need for His presence. And especially includes an honest, Daily appraisal and acknowledgement of sin. In other words, you sin. I sin. We all sin. It doesn't mean that you go out in the street and start yelling down the street and saying, I sin. And you sin. But you need to acknowledge it personally. And do something about it. Go to 1 John chapter 1. 1. He cleanses us, but we need to recognize that, hey, we need to be cleansed. In order to have fellowship with him, we need to be cleansed. When we are in sin, when we're filthy, when we're dirty, we're not having fellowship with him. But 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, again reading from the Holman Version, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Once again, you can't cleanse your own unrighteousness. God has to do that for you. You have to acknowledge your sin. It starts with you. And it's in his character to forgive you. Because he wants to have a relationship with you. 
It's in his character to say, I forgive you. Just like when Jesus said, if someone comes to you 77 times, whatever the number is, you forgive them. Because that's what God does for you, my goodness, every day of your life. This daily progression helps the believer appreciate the profound love of Jesus Christ. The more you realize how much grace and mercy you have been experiencing at the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't help but love him. He loves you before you even knew what love was. And he reciprocates it over and over again. His love is everlasting. Romans 8, 35 through 39, uh, ringing from the English Standard Version, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who's going to do it? Who is going to separate you from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Now, I just about read about what everything that's going on in the world today. So it relates to today. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Christians are sheep waiting to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen and hallelujah. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Nothing. That's very reassuring. You should be reassured of that. His love for us should translate into how we, in turn, should show love for others. Amen? He loves us, therefore we should love other people. Amen? 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 Love other people. This is what makes the person who lives in the Spirit distinctive. Loving every person is not the genre of the world today. There's a lot of hatred out there. But you living in love for other people is distinctive. It's a difference maker. And you know what? Who cares if they call you crazy? I'd rather be crazy in Jesus Christ than crazy in love like Beyonce says. I'd rather be crazy in Jesus Christ. The world gives you all kinds of stuff you should be crazy about. You need to be distinctive in a lost and dying world. This is a lost and dying world. We're coming near the end. John 13.35. Go ahead and turn to that. John 
There is an absolute statement in this verse. And I want you to pick up on the absolute statement. As you are associated with Jesus Christ in your walk each and every day, there is a very distinctive thing about that very act. People should see your even-handedness, your balance, the way you approach things, the way you answer questions about things. A lot of people don't have answers about what's going on in the world today because there are none in the world. And people get confused. But you need to see what Jesus Christ does for you. He says in verse 35 of John 13, English Standard Version, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. People are going to know who you are because you love other people who are unlovable. But you find it in your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, to say, that person deserves to be loved. Amen? Amen. Another passage I'd like you to take a look at is in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6. And understand something, too, before I get off the other subject. It's sometimes very hard to love unlovable people. Amen? It's hard to do that. Your flesh will never do it. That's a promise. Your flesh is never going to do it. You won't do it. Somebody who's oppressive, somebody who doesn't like you, and yet you're to forgive that other person. If you're not living in the Spirit every day, you will never do it. You'll be just like the world. I promise you. You won't be distinctive. You will not show yourself to be different. You won't show yourself to be anybody special. That's why I said if you're in amongst a group of people and they don't know you're a believer and you've been a believer for 30 years, 15 years, 20, whatever it is, then you're not standing out. Something's wrong. That's the proverbial, what's up with that? Why aren't you standing out? Why aren't you making a difference? Love other people who don't love you. Galatians 6. And this also goes back to your personal attitude about This whole thing we're talking about. Galatians 6, verses 1 through 4, reading from the Holman Version. Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Amen? Okay, so somebody does something wrong. Some of us are ready to get out of blackjack. Does some of y'all know what a blackjack is? That just kind of popped in my head. Well, I just used... Some of you already got a pistol. If someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Because you will be tempted. But you've got to watch out. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. 
For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Amen? Should I read that verse again? If anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You ain't all that. Right on. You ain't all that. But each person should examine his own work and then he will have a reason for boasting in himself alone and not in respect to someone else. In other words, look to yourself in humility before Jesus Christ. Get on your knees before the Lord. When it comes right down to it, we all have a responsibility to help correct someone and help them out and encourage them to do the right thing. But get on your knees when you do that. Because you realize you're pretty filthy and you need to be cleansed yourself. Look at yourself in humility. He wants you to see the world the way he sees it. People that he wants to see saved. No matter where they come from. No matter where they were brought up. No matter what they were exposed to. No matter who taught them. No matter what's going on. He wants every one of those people to be saved. Living in the Spirit allows the believer to receive the full benefits of a relationship in Jesus Christ. Wash. Rinse. Repeat. Trust in Jesus Christ today. And he will remove your burden of sin. And make you clean in an instant. In an instant. He created you for the purpose of reaching others with the gospel of salvation. That's why you're here. And he will give you what you need to be successful as he remakes you each and every day. Wash, rinse, repeat. Father, thank you for the message that you have.